Tonight, more evidence that a soft landing is possible. You're listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovec, along with Steve Ruby. All right, so the so-called experts, they've been calling for a recession in the first quarter of this year. When that didn't happen, they said, ah, the second quarter's a definite. Um, at one point, Fed staff members said, well, no, it's going to happen in the fourth quarter. Now they're saying maybe next year, maybe not even. Joining us tonight is Allworth Chief Investment Officer Andy Stout to make some sense of it all. Andy, this it surprises me. We haven't had... Um, anything even close to a recession, although I was concerned about the inflation numbers that came out about the middle of last week. You know, we've been seeing uh, most of the inflation numbers come down considerably, yet there was a bump up last week and markets didn't, they kind of shrugged it off. I'm a little concerned. Um, Tell us what came out, what the numbers look like, why they make sense or don't make sense in simply money terms. Well, looking at the inflation data, and we got a lot of data last week, Steve, on, on the yeah. inflation front. We got consumer inflation, which is commonly referred to as CPI. There's producer inflation, which is PPI. We also got some uh, expect inflation expectations. Now, CPI, that's going to be the, the most important one, the most closely watched uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, when we look at it, though, it, it's showing, I'll just kind of bottom line at first, it's showing that inflation momentum is slowing. So that that's a that's a good thing. It's good. So that's what we, the, want to we do because that means the Federal Reserve, our nation's central bank, which raises and lowers interest rates, lately has been raising them very very aggressively. Uh, if they believe that inflation momentum is slowing and they think you know they've done their their job, they'll stop rate hikes, right? I mean, we got sure. the next meeting on September twentieth, and the forecast is for no move. There's only like an 11% chance that the Fed would hike rates. But anyways, getting back to your question, Steve, on uh, CPI and inflation, it increased 0.2% on a month over month basis. That was both that's the a total inflation bump. number. Yeah. 0.2%? No, that's yeah. pretty, that's not bad. That's okay. relatively small. So we'll take the 0.2% increase. That was in line with expectations. And that's both headline and uh, core inflation, core excludes food and energy. And we like to look at that because it tends to be um, pretty volatile and uh, somewhat out of the control of the Federal Reserve. But on a year over year basis, what's high, core inflation is still at 4.7%. So that's that's the big number on a year over year basis. The headline number, headline inflation or total inflation is at 3.2%. It's brought down because of energy prices. Uh, and that's why uh, the headline is lower than the core. But when we exclude food and energy, it's uh, 4.7%. So that's not okay. a great number. Producer price index, though, that that's kind of wholesale prices. They were up even more, 0.3%. Again, it's not a massive increase, but it, to me, okay, if wholesale inflation is up a little bit, well, maybe that means down the road inflation is going in the wrong direction, which is something we obviously don't want. You're not concerned about that number either. Well, I I, I think that number from the producer inflation or PPI was less encouraging. Uh, it did increase a little bit more than what was expected. Uh, I don't know if it's going to feed too much into CPI. And we, when you look at the broad picture on the the slowing momentum, you know, just to give you an example, like on the consumer prices or CPI. When you look at the uh, last three months of core CPI and we annualize it, it's at 3.1%. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. So, you know, that sort of number, when we can 
get an idea of how it's trending. You know, that's something that's definitely a good indicator and moving in the right direction. And the last thing on the inflation front, uh, I like to think about and look at is consumer expectations. And we got the University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Survey last week, and it showed that consumers one year inflation outlook fell from 3.4% to 3.3%, and the five to 10 year outlook fell from 3% to 2.9%. Now, this is really extremely extremely important because it tells us that inflation expectations are anchored, meaning people don't expect high inflation to continue. That's really crucial because high inflation expectations can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. In other words, if people expect high inflation, then it often manifests. Yeah. That's because consumers pull forward purchases to buy things before prices rise. And often businesses will raise prices sooner uh, in anticipation of that and also to uh, improve their margins if they think inflation is going to be uh, a problem down the road. So very good news last week in the terms uh, from the perspective that inflation expectations appear to be anchored right now. So I, I was looking at an article, Andy, that, that talked about a no landing scenario. We've been talking about soft landing, hard landing, but this no landing scenario uh, hypothesizes that inflation is going to flare up early next year. What what do you think about that? What's your reaction? I think the economy is, you know, it's obviously been um, held up by the consumer and we've had, you know, strong growth from a GDP, which is our total uh, economic output or gross domestic product. You know, this year, like, you know, you're staying at the very beginning that GDP was expected to contract by a lot of economists, keeps getting pushed out. We ended up growing you know, 2% in the first quarter, 2.4% in the second quarter. Third quarter is currently tracking positive. And you know, a lot of economists have certainly pushed back or out completely uh, a recession this year into maybe next year, maybe not next year. Uh, and if things kind of stay in this no landing scenario, yeah, maybe inflation could flare up. That's not necessarily our base case scenario that we see that sort of uh, situation happening because I don't see the Fed cutting rates and anytime soon, right? I don't think it happens at all this year. Maybe not even the first half of next year. We'll have to see how the data comes in. But I don't think with in interest rates as high as they are that you're going to see a big inflationary spike. I mean, anything's possible. But I think it's more likely uh, that the interest rates uh, where they're at right now will continue to weigh on consumers. And you might see uh, some the consumer momentum really start to wane a bit more. You're already seeing that a little bit in some of the data, like retail sales, which we'll get tomorrow, uh, where it's starting the year-over-year -year number has been trending lower for the past couple of years. So just kind of showing things are starting to pinch. And if you look at... Uh, a release we got last week on uh, credit, consumer credit outstanding. There's non-revolving, which is like loans for cars. Then there's revolving, mm -hmm. which is credit cards. The non-revolving came in really strong, but the revolving credit, which is people basically spending on their credit cards, decreased uh, 600 million, which was the first decrease in two years. That signals that consumers might be tightening their belt and that does not bode well for that no landing scenario mm -hmm. where you see an inflationary spike. 
Well, that would be interesting. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovec, along with Steve Ruby. And if it's Monday, we're talking to Andy Stout, Chief Investment Officer of Allworth Financial. Hey, Andy, um, we've been talking about rate increases, and, and it looks pretty good that uh, the Fed in September is going to hold tight and not do any rate increases. Um, how about rate cuts? I, I mean, you mentioned you don't see it happening in the immediate future, but I, I just read this morning Goldman Sachs is expecting by June of 24 uh, that uh, the Fed may start one quarter of a percent rate cuts. Uh, do you buy into that? I think a lot of that will depend on two things. One, where is inflation at? How has it evolved sure. between now and basically the next 10 months? That's a lot of unknowns to take into considerations. So not just the inflation evolution, but the second thing is, does the economy fall into recession? I mean, right. if you look at leading economic indicators, they do suggest that risk is elevated. What leading economic indicators are, by the way, are data points that move before the broad economy moves. Uh, so when we look, we have our own suite of leading indicators that we look at, and they do show that risk is elevated. So if you have a recession and inflation appears to be, you know, no longer an issue, that's mm -hmm. when I think you'll see rate cuts. Now it's possible we could get to the point where uh, in, inflation is no longer an issue and we're still growing and you could still see rate cuts because the Federal Reserve believes at that point, possibly that we don't need to have restrictive interest rates in the, as, as they currently are. But if you look at just what the market's pricing in, you know, Goldman is basically saying what the market's expecting. Because if you look out to the middle of next year, uh, the market's pricing in a one quarter point rate hike by the May meeting, not the June meeting. Uh, so the market's a little bit in front of Goldman, but that's what's being priced in. But remember this, Steve, at the beginning of this year, yeah. there were rate cuts priced into the market in the second half of this year. That's I, know, really yeah, I remember that. <laughs> How things change. Let, let's talk about earnings for, for a minute, Andy. So second quarter earnings came out. Uh, what have the numbers shown us? Well, they kind of been just like almost every other earnings season from the perspective that companies tend to lower their estimates and then Wall Street lowers their estimates and then companies <laughs> beat works. those it's lowered estimates, right? Yeah. It's just, it's a game, right? And if you look back over the past five years, basically 75% of companies have beaten those estimates. So that's just, that's the game they play. And what we see this quarter is the game continuing where you have 80% of S&P 500 companies, which are your large cap companies, reporting better than expected profits. So we're seeing more of the same from that perspective. And if you look at the actual earnings growth rate, it's a similar story where okay. you see the uh, expected uh, earnings growth rate compared to what actually happens and you see a beat there. So heading into earnings season, Wall Street was expecting a 9% decline on a year-over-year -year basis. Now, where we're actually at, because we're about 90% of the way through earnings season, there's only another um, roughly you know, 50 companies, large cap companies still to right. report. And right now, earnings are 6.8% lower. So not nearly as bad as that 9% a decline. Now, if we take out energy companies, because really, the drop in oil over the past year, I know if it's gone up here recently, uh, but if you look at, you know, second quarter of 23 compared to the second quarter of 22, 
that really hurt energy companies. If we exclude energy companies from that equation, earnings are only 0.4% lower. So again, large cap companies excluding energy companies, their earnings are only 0.4% lower. That's basically flat on a year over year basis. So it's not as bad as the headline indicates once you actually dig into the weeds a little bit. Well, great, great uh, advice from Andy Stout, Chief Investment Officer of Allworth Financial. Here's the Allworth advice. Don't waste too much time looking at all the headlines out there. We got you covered right here. Coming up next, we just got the dollar amount that retirees could lose if Social Security's trust fund runs out of money. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby. Hey, if you can't listen to Simply Money every night, just pick up our daily podcast the very next day. Uh, if you think your friends could use some financial advice, tell them to. Just search Simply Money on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight ahead at 643, what could be the scariest part of retiring and how to overcome it. All right, Ruby. So the Bengals, I mean, they've gone through their 30 years in the desert and they're back with Joe Burrow. And financially, this is a whole new, I hate to say it, ball game. Oh, I see what you did there, Steve. So what, what you're talking about here is the news came out that they're actually worth $4 billion. I, this is incredible. That's a big number. Well, yeah, I mean, it depends on what you're comparing it to, because, yeah. you know, I, I will give credit where credit's due. Cincinnati tied for, for second with a 41% increase in value. Right. This is along with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, only Detroit actually had a higher percentage bump last year in 2022. So this is the the Burrow effect is what I would well, say. Well, no, no question. But the, the Las Vegas Raiders, they're a brand new team. So they went for basically zero. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. all right, let's let those numbers are a little bit skewed or spun. Um, Detroit in, in the basement forever, mm -hmm. you know? So, but I, the, the, what amazes me is that the value of the Bengals increased 41% and that raised us to number last place. <laughs> <laughs> That's mind boggling. That tells you how, how bad and how low value the Bengals have been for years and years that, um, jumping by almost half again in value still keeps them in last place. Yeah. I mean, for now, <laughs> the, the, you're a Browns fan. You're, you're, I'm, I'm, I'm converting. I, you know, are I, you? yeah, I think, I think I am. Um, you know, I, it's a good time to hop on the bandwagon. Yeah living in town i've lived here since 2007 it's 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 nice to be able to go to the games and burrow it, is a lot of fun honestly it really is and, and everybody knows even all other parts of the country i was out on the east coast this, this past week they were asking me about burrow is he done for the season i i, I mean which obviously he's not but no. you know everybody knows burrow which means everybody knows the bengals and it's kind of fun yeah there's no question about it but with that said the Bengals are still the least valuable <laughs> NFL team, although $4 billion is a good number. All right, so it's a huge issue. Congress needs to figure this out. What are they going to do about the Social Security Trust Fund? That's the fund that pays out money to those that are eligible. And interesting research, we now have a dollar amount of what retirees collecting Social Security would lose in dollars and cents if Congress doesn't address this. Yeah, so this is a, this, uh, I want to shine light on the fact that this is if 
Congress doesn't address it. And, and it is scary. Yeah. This analysis was done for it was done by the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. <laughs> Great name. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> and, and, and they actually calculated that hit that it would take. So yeah. it, a newly retired dual income couple on average would see a drop, a drop of seventeen thousand four hundred dollars per year. That's a big number. It's it, huge. It, it is. It, it's fourteen hundred and fifty bucks a month. Yes. I, I, I mean, that's that's a lot of money that otherwise could be going into the economy, could be going towards a vacation uh, home, could be just for gas and food. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, that's a lot of money and that's a big drop. This is serious. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, for, for those that have earned more money over the span of their careers, they could drop $23,000 in benefits. Those that are depending mostly on Social Security haven't been particular, particularly high earners over yeah. the span of their, their earnings. Uh, $10,600 less per year. Well, and, and the trust fund is the excess money that, that is really not there, which is the scary part. But um, the whole, it's all demographics. The reason for the problem is when Social Security was formed in the, in the 1930s, there were about 40 workers paying in for every retiree. And the average age of death was 65, which yeah. happened to be the age you would collect your benefits. Now it's two and a half workers for every retiree, and the average age of death is well into the 80s. So the numbers obviously have changed over the years. So, you know, you've got to do something. There have been a lot of proposals. I mean, there's been 172 proposals brought uh, in front of Congress since 1993. Not one single one of them has been brought up for a vote. But there are some things that can be done that can fix this or at least partially fix it. Yeah, I guess the issue there is that Americans don't trust Congress. <laughs> well, what, give us a reason too. I right? know, rightfully yeah. so. That, yeah. That's the reason why Fitch's brought down the the ratings last week for our debt is because there's there's fighting within Congress right. every time we hit that ceiling. So you, you mentioned it, 172 proposals. Yeah. None have come to fruition. But you, but you know what? The, to me, the, the quickest fix is I, I most people have not heard of this because most people don't make this kind of money. There's a cap on how much money you can make that you're going to pay Social Security tax on anything in excess of that number, which is one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. You don't pay into Social Security. Yeah. So if you look at your pay stub, you'll see the OASDI, that's Old yeah. Age Survivors and Disability Insurance. You pay 6.2% into that. Your employer pays 6.2% into that. That's what funds Social Security. Smash the cap means if you're making more than $160,200, you have to continue to pay that benefit. Yeah. Right now, we don't. I know. During I know. a time when we're running out of funding. I, I never really got that. Why is there even a cap on it? But yeah. Because there's a cap on the benefit that you can receive from Social Security. Yeah, but, but politically, this is a gimme. I, I, I mean, okay, we need to do something about Social Security. Remove the cap. I, I, I'm not a big fan of increasing taxes by any stretch of the imagination. But if we're talking about a $17,000 a year cut in benefits and how to fix it, this keeps it solvent for another 13 yeah. years. Medicare has its own tax that's not capped and actually goes up at a certain income threshold. Alternatively, exactly. if we're not raising taxes, then it has to be raising the retirement age. Look what just happened oh, that, in France, yeah. though. Yeah, that, that'll go over real well. Yeah, bump it up to 70. Uh, or there's means testing, which obviously isn't going to be popular by any stretch. I don't want that to happen at all. Here's the all-worth advice. Social Security is not meant to be your primary source of income in retirement. I hope you've got a financial plan that includes Social Security for just some of that income. 
Coming up next, we analyze the financial pitfalls that could be on the horizon for millions of teens heading off to college. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovec, along with Steve Ruby. It's that time of year. Teens are heading back to college, and with that, yeah, comes the danger of, wait, college kids making financial mistakes? <laughs> Unheard of. Let's take a look at some of the track traps that you might want to talk to your kids about not falling into. Yeah, I'm not sure how many uh, college kids are listening to 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 our show right now, but for the parents that have kids going back to school, yeah, these are some important topics to sit down and have a chat with them. They're not going to listen to you. Uh, well, it's worth a try, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, parents might, but kids aren't going to listen to their parents. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're uh, thinking about parties and going to college and having a good time. Ain't that the truth? But uh, unfortunately, the reality of it is that many of us, you know, we, we've borrowed. A lot of our yeah. children have to borrow for college, so. Yeah understanding the the true cost of college goes way beyond just tuition room and room and board there's monthly budgets that can spiral out of control if you're not careful um, clothing purchases food deliveries you know there's apps that just make it so easy to get whatever you want right now yeah if money is not a question but you know for most college kids money's a big question yeah it sure is and yeah. these these costs they can run the several extra thousand dollars a year that maybe weren't accounted for if you didn't have this conversation with them. so I'm, I'm reading an article in the wall street journal my favorite paper by far and their first <laughs> their first bit of advice is um, yeah, kids, um, you're going to college. You should set a budget. I, I'm just thinking back to when I was in college. I, nobody a had chance. a budget. Yeah. Nobody had a budget. You're just out there. You're winging everything. Even if you're one of the smarter kids and, and scrimping and saving and, you know, paying your own way, uh, a budget for going out, a budget for, you know, food and it doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, I'll find a way to make it work. It's kind of kind of the attitude. Well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> Ex exactly, and and along with that, uh, point number two is let's track your spending. Um, that's pretty tough to do in college when you're out till maybe two in the morning on a Thursday night. And how much did I spend? I think I had a twenty dollar bill. You know, yeah. Th there's there's different. a website, bestcolleges.com. It's it's owned by Red Ventures, and and they have a sample budget that you can sit down and look at with yeah. you know children that are heading off to college to, to help them track it. Funny enough, though, they don't actually have a line item for beer money. <laughs> Imagine that. I know. Well, well in my case, I, I, I worked. I, I mean, I worked at a restaurant. I was a waiter and, and did that all four years. Average 20 to 30 hours a week on top of a full course yeah, load. Yeah, me too. But, but yeah, you, you worked your way through college, too. I, I, I'm aware of that. And, and if it weren't for that, I wouldn't be, have been able to go out or do anything. Because every dime was, you know, either borrowed or worked for or whatever. And tuition and books and room and board takes a big chunk of well, money. That was one of the the benefits of working at a restaurant in college is that you get to eat. I worked at a liquor store in college. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't ask what you did with the excess inventory. Then. All right. So, so one of the things that did strike me, though, and this is legitimate, the, the credit card companies are waiting for you when you show up on campus. Yes. Hey, um, uh, grab our credit card. Uh, we'll give you this bucket hat or we'll give you, you know, something worth about something $2. Really stupid. And, and now you're hooked for life. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I had a that can get you in a lot of trouble. I had a friend that that came up to me while I was eating at a food court in college, and she's yeah. like, "Oh, you should you should enroll for this credit card, and then yeah. you can just cancel it, and I'll get paid, and nothing will happen to you." Right, right. Oh, thanks, Lucy. I appreciate that because ultimately, if you do that, th that's 
if you use it, first of all, you can get yourself in big yeah. trouble if you, if you don't have the cash flow to support paying off the, the credit card. If you don't, then that's a ding on, on your credit, opening yeah. the credit card and not using it. So that, that is something to be mindful and, of. And, and, it will and you're going to miss a payment in college. I, I mean, I, you just don't pay as much attention to that kind of stuff as you do later in life. So, you know, if the whole idea is build your credit, I'm not sure that's the best way of doing it. If you do sign up for a credit card, um, pay attention to it. Pay it off every month and, and be very aware of what you're charging to that credit card because it gets away from you quickly. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC. I'm Steve Sprovec along with Steve Ruby, and we're talking about maybe some things you want to talk to your kids about before they go to college. Um, overdraft fees. These can add up if you've got an account that does not protect you. That That's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, there's some banks out there now that have specifically marketed to younger individuals, yeah. to college students that help with protecting you against overdrafts because those those transactions, they, they don't need to happen. They, there's a lot of banks out there that nickel and dime you. You can shop around and find some that maybe won't. They give you a little bit of grace in case something like that does happen. Which It can add up a lot. And, and real quick, you, you just forgot to log in a maybe a $100 or $200 check or expense. And, you know, if you only had $5 and, and you did, you know, a couple of the, you could write checks for next to nothing or use your debit card for next to nothing. And it might be a $25, $35 overdraft fee on each one. Yeah, I don't know how many college students have checkbooks. These I know, days. that just gave away my age. Yeah, I think, I think it did. I, oh, I don't man. even think I wrote a check in college. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about lodging. I, I, I mean, not everybody lives on campus. There's a lot of off-campus housing. Um, I, my first bit of advice would be, okay, if you're doing an off-campus apartment, try not to have your name on the lease if you're going to have roommates that are friends of yours that are also college age because stuff happens. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good point. And, and, and living there over the summer as well, 12 yeah. month leases, are you even going to be there? Is yeah. there an opportunity to take a, a less term yeah. for, for where you're living? Because you may end up paying for something that you're not going to be using. Yeah. I, and, and uh, okay. Car transportation. I think every parent needs to set these rules up, these guidelines of what they're willing to pay for and what they're not. I, I know in my case, and I, I think yours might have been similar, uh, Similar, I, I didn't get a car from my parents. Um, they didn't give me a gas credit card. They didn't pay my insurance. That was on me. And, I, and that's a rare instance these days. I had a real piece of junk, real junky car that I got from from the east side of Cleveland. And that was my transportation to and from college, which by the way, was 99 and a half miles away from where I lived, okay. where, where my folks lived, where right. I went to college. And I paid for uh, AAA, which was a great idea because they would tow up to 100 miles. <laughs> Perfect. And on more than one occasion, <laughs> I used that tow truck service to get a ride home with my, my dumpy car to fix it. My, mine, uh, the first car I had in college was so bad that I went over a speed bump. And I wasn't going fast. I went over a speed bump and the entire exhaust system uh, fell. <laughs> it just fell. And I tried to build the college for their speed bump causing this damage to my car. It didn't, didn't go real far. Now, something else to, to talk about outside of the budget, if, if you're fortunate enough to, to get through to your children with some of these conversations and they are earning money, yeah. talk to them about a Roth IRA. It, Good idea. Yeah, please. Because yeah. With, with, with compounding interest on their side, there's a major opportunity for that snowball effect to grow that account, even if it's small contributions, yeah. if they have earned income and they're, 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 you're coaching them to live below their means, yeah. 
then this is an opportunity for a wonderful head start in their future. Uh, great idea. Yeah. And may, maybe tell them, hey, I'll match it. You put $200 in, I'll match it with another 200 something. Give them some go. sort of incentive. Yeah, no question. That's great because, boy, you put money away in your early years, during your college years, maybe when you're 20, 21, that money grows significantly uh, over the next 40 years or so. Here's the all worth advice for the parents out there. There is never a bad time to create good habits when it comes to your money. Coming up next, what many say is the scariest part of retirement and how we have helped them deal with it. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby. Hey, if you've got a financial question you'd like for us to answer, just hit that red button while you're listening to the show on the iHeart app. Record your question. It comes right to us, and we would love to hear from you. Straight ahead, the danger of taking what is known as a hush trip. All right, so you've spent all your life saving for retirement. You've worked hard. You've got money set aside You've already done some sort of plan, and there's just one problem. Even though your plan says you're in great shape, you're afraid of actually retiring. We deal with this all the time. You've got the money, your plan works, and you just can't imagine yourself not going into work. Oh, it's 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 more frequent than you might realize. Yep. I certainly do see it all the time. And many of the folks I work with, they, they can retire, but they just haven't. Yeah. No matter how hard I stress test the financial plan, there's there's software that we use as certified financial planners where we can project, you know, what happens if you get below market returns, what happens if you live too long, yeah. what happens if you spend too much. I spend a lot of time trying to blow up the plan yeah. to show people what kind of worst case scenarios would, would happen. Even to if this unfold. happens, you're still okay. Yeah, in yeah. order for, for things not to work. And sometimes we, we still see lots of money left over at the end of a plan. And yeah. we're planning to, to, to 110 years old. I, I, I think there are two types of people that are afraid or, or that don't retire even though they can afford to. One is a person that's, I don't know what I would do. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my day. And the other is just the anxious person of, yeah, but I'm still worried about running out of money. And, and I've seen this. I, I was on vacation last week, and and two of my good friends, both doing very well for themselves, um, mid-60s, certainly can afford to retire. One has no plans. He just doesn't know what he would do with his day. And, and, and the other um, has lots of hobbies, but he enjoys work so much because part of his job is playing golf with clients um, that I, I would rather have somebody else pay for my golfing. Um, I, I, I get the second one, the first one though, I, that's, that's concerning and that's somebody who can afford it, but they just don't know what they would do. Yeah. You know, I, I want to add to that too. There, there's yeah. some people that, that I, that I work with that they, they came from very little. Yeah. They're not used to spending. They built their own wealth. You don't turn a saver into a spender, at least not overnight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, that's what I'm getting to here because yeah. they, they live below their means and, and they're afraid of not having a paycheck. There's all kinds of noise out there that you hear too, depending on what headlines you're looking at. Inflation, economic downturns, economic catastrophe. They're scared. Yeah. So there, yeah. there's people that are scared across the board, but you know, you, you bring up your friends that, yeah. that, just doesn't know what he would do without working. At least he acknowledges it because if yeah. you retire and you don't know what you're going to do, it can be miserable. That is true. So the the feedback that I've given folks in that situation are maybe test the waters by working part-time. Yeah. Continue to work. And this advice goes across the board. No matter what your reason is for not yeah. retiring, even if you can afford it, 
consider slowing down. You're still going to get a paycheck. You're still going to be keeping busy. Yeah. You're going to still have some kind of a uh, schedule. Yeah. I think that's some of the fear. I, I think that's great advice because cold turkey doesn't work. I saw my dad. He went cold turkey at 62, didn't have the money, but he was just sick of working. And and for a few years, the kids, myself included, were, were not real. Uh, we were worried uh, about him because he went cold turkey, didn't have any hobbies, um, and there was no plan B. It, you know, so it's, it's something that you really want to think about before you make that, that final decision. I, I've seen... Uh, one, and you mentioned slow down a little bit. I've seen people accept it and, and, and accept an early retirement offer where the company really didn't think that person was going to take it. And they, they figured, you know what, I'm going to, but I, I'll go back as a consultant. Mm -hmm. And for those people, they kind of enjoyed their job. They just didn't want to do it nine to five. And on their own terms, they enjoyed their job way more than they were when they were required to be there. That's if it's available to you. That's not a bad idea. That's a great place to fall, especially if if can, depending on your role with, with the company and, and the type of work that you can provide as a consultant, you can charge a lot of money to, to offer those services. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not always willing to pay it, but you can. You can, you can certainly try. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, plan to explore new things. So yeah. keep keep your schedule busy. That on, on the flip side, you know, I, I explain to people that can retire that don't want to retire. There's a lot of people that I work with that are they claim that they're even busier in retirement yeah. because they're social, because they're open to trying new things. Uh, volunteering, for yeah. example, is a way to provide purpose. If you feel like work is your purpose, you can volunteer without the stress of work. And deliver something that that people appreciate. Uh, exploring new activities, learning to paint uh, pickleball. How about that? No, no, I will not play pickleball. How about racquetball? Um, maybe when I was younger. Yeah, I don't know about now. You're listening to Simply Money on Fifty Five KRC. I'm Steve Sprovac, along with Steve Ruby, and we're we're talking about what considerations you should have as you go into retirement. There's a lot of anxiety with it. And I think you mentioned something important, hobbies. I mean, if you have no hobbies, don't retire, but maybe start picking up some hobbies way before your planned last day. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just that planning to explore new things is a way to ease some of that anxiety because keeping your schedule full, keeping yourself busy, you're not exactly quitting cold turkey yeah. like you had given the example with your dad. Yeah. You know, if you have activities to keep yourself busy, keep your mind sharp, keep your body uh, somewhat in shape, yeah. then, then obviously that's going to be beneficial. Now, we, we, we've talked about this in, in previous shows in the past, trying before you buy. Well, so especially if, if you're thinking of moving. Yes. Yeah, that's important because if you move, and again, I hate to use my dad as an example, but he, he taught me what not to do in retirement. And sometimes what not to do is as good a lesson, maybe even better than what to do. He moved to Florida. And realized he didn't have any friends. He had a couple of relatives, but no friends, no support network, didn't have his doctors down there. Um, failed experiment. Two years later, moved back to where he was from. Well, it was kind of trying before he bought, I guess. But yeah, but but I, I mean, do this while you're still working. I mean, yeah. take a two-week, maybe three-week vacation if, if you have the time and really scope out the area before you decide to buy. Here's the all-worth advice. If you're someone who does not like to dive headfirst into something, a phased-in retirement approach might be your best bet. Coming up next, how to navigate taking time off so you don't end up keeping your travel a secret. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. 
You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Steve Sprovec, along with Steve Ruby. All right, there's a term out there that came from the pandemic, and remote workers started doing. We're talking about hush trips. I've never heard this, but apparently it's a it's a thing. This is people who go on a trip but don't tell their employer, and they're working remotely. They're doing everything by Zoom, but you know, their boss thinks they're sitting in the office or sitting in their house here in Cincinnati. What, what an interesting thing to happen in a COVID world. I can't where... imagine on Zoom somebody is doing something they shouldn't be doing. Yeah, I know, right, right. So uh, there's always a survey that this was done uh, for members of Generation Z, which, again, those are those that are born between 1996 and early to mid 2000s. OK, uh, the, the survey was done by resume resume builder dot uh, com, and they found that one in six Gen Z workers reported using a virtual background to fool their employers while taking a hush trip. <laughs> so so they're somewhere on vacation and participate in a Zoom call. And they get rid of the palm trees and put that fake office background in yeah. there. Yeah, and that, that that's amazing. Um, shocking, <laughs> shocking. I, I mean, we always had the joke about you know, hey, you know, the, the Zoom call. He's probably wearing shorts with a, a sport jacket over the the top. I mean, we're talking about guys and and women wearing swimsuits maybe during a Zoom call. Yeah, you know, because there's some place other than you know here in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, that's that's this is. Really, something interesting to me that the survey found that four in ten Gen Zers said that they've taken a vacation without, four and ten. without their employer's permission. Forty percent, two in ten. So go on saying, vacation and you never got it approved. Yeah, that that's forty percent. So I wonder. That's crazy. What, what it doesn't talk about is 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 the work still getting done? Yeah, no. because no, you, Come you don't on. think so? No way. There's <laughs> not a chance. Yeah, I'll get right back on that. So, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. I, I just did a, a trip with, with a friend. You know, it was something I'd been yeah. planning for years. My, my wife, daughter, and I, we, we met up with friends in Europe, and, and we did this trip together. He is a remote employee. Mm-hmm. He, he was doing this the whole time. No way. He was, he, he was on the clock yes. to speak. Yes. How about? Yeah, you know, I've got a nephew that did it, but it, it was known by his employer he writes for a travel company. Oh, that's that works. And so, I mean, and so, yeah, he's allowed to be remote, and he lives full time in the Cayman Islands. Jeez, that's a win. On. Yeah. Well, the, the the reasons behind why these Gen Zers did it a, a little over half of those that that took these undisclosed re- t- uh, reports. Yeah. Undisclosed trips reported that they did so because their PTO request was not approved. <laughs> it's not approved, so you do it anyway. Yeah, three yeah. in ten because they didn't have PTO, and another twenty percent because get this one, they didn't want to use PTO. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, that's what youngsters tend to do, and I my advice is um, cut it out because you're gonna get busted. Yeah. They always find out sooner or later. Maybe talk to your employer about I need more PTO. See how that goes. Hey, thanks for listening. Tune in tomorrow. We're going to talk about ways to boost your savings as you near retirement. You've been listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial on 55KRC, the talk station.